Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Well, 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 we're back. The Anarchist World this week on the Community Radio Network. Streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. It's good to see you. Well, I can't see you, can I? And I can't hear you, but you can hear me. So what does that make me a prisoner, doesn't it? I can't see you, I can't hear you. Well, that's a different story. If you want to know what anarchy is all about, an anarchist society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making power. That's direct democratic principles, a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. So it's a very simple concept. It's about creating a society without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? You devolve power. That means you share power. You work institutional frameworks by which the people involved in the decision make a decision and then elect or appoint delegates to coordinate those decisions at a local, federal or national level and you share wealth. Simple concepts. Now, I'll get rid of all the um, announcements first, I think, because... Uh, most of these announcements would basically be relevant to Melbourne people or people who are coming to Melbourne for a bit of a holiday. Now, this weekend on Saturday, the 16th of March, from 10am to 4pm, the public interest before corporate interests is holding a, a national congress at the Unitarian Peace Memorial Church at 110 Gray Street in East Melbourne. This is a members-only event. Observers are welcome, but only members have speaking and voting rights. It's about uh, finalising some policy statements. And if you want to look at the policy states statements, go to uh, pipsy, P-I-B-C-I dot net, pipsy, P-I-B-C-I dot net. So you can go there and have a look at the policy statements, but it's this Saturday, the 16th of March, 10am to 4pm, the Unitarian Peace Memorial Church at 110 Gray Street in East Melbourne. Now, non-members are welcome, but uh, you've only got to observe a status. People can join public interest before corporate interest at the beginning of the conference or at lunchtime, and uh, then you've got actual voting rights in terms of determining policy. But it'll be a pretty... Uh, it'll be a pretty intensive uh, 
six hours, well, five hours and an hour for lunch, where we actually uh, finalise eight policy statements ranging from things from treaty to collectives and cooperatives to uh, public utilities to animal rights, gender equality, and the list goes on and on. So uh, join us. You can come as an observer. But obviously it's a, a Pipsy Congress for party members of public interest before corporate interest. And as I said before, you can go to pipsy.net if you want to learn more about it. And uh, the, the new website is running very well. And we'd like to thank Anthony for uh, all the effort and energy he's put into the new website. So thank you very much. Now, also I'd like to remind people that on... Wednesday, sorry, Saturday, the 23rd of March, from 11am to 2pm, the Ellen Jose Memorial Foundation will be unveiling Ellen Jose's seminal work, um, Island Pony, which she created in 2000. Ellen died on the 2nd of June, 2017. The Ellen Jose Memorial Foundation has two main aims to promote reconciliation between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians and to support young female artists. You're all welcome. Once again, it'll be at the Unitarian Peace Memorial Church at 110 Grey Street, East Melbourne, 11am to 2pm. And for both occasions, please bring food and drinks for the communal table. And just in case you're a member of the West Papuan Rent Collective, which is responsible for paying the rent, for the West Papuan office, which is located at 838 Collin Street in Docklands, uh, Unit 211. But uh, we're having the West Papuan Rent Collective Open Day. It will be held on Sunday the 7th of April. That's Sunday the 7th of April. That lunch from... Uh, 1pm, catering by Dapur Sampari, $15 for non-members of the Rent Collective and uh, obviously lunch is free for members of the uh, Rent Collective. If you want to join the Rent Collective, it's very simple. Give me a ring on 0439 395 489 or email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Now, let's move on because obviously there's a lot of things happening, but... We need to understand what's going on in order to, uh, you know, be able to actually participate in life because a lot, of, a lot of times everything seems to be confusing and all too difficult and we hear people using words like complex, it's complex, it's complex. Well, it ain't complex. It's a very simple. It's very simple. It's about sharing wealth, sharing power. It's not very complex, but there are issues which make these ideas difficult to think about, let alone let alone implement. Now look at superannuation. I'd like to look at superannuation as a major issue in today's program. Now, superannuation was introduced about 20 years ago, which was basically the privatisation of old age. It was compulsory savings. It's compulsory savings. You're paying about... If you're in the workforce, you pay about 12% of your uh, wages are paid into a superannuation uh, scheme until, you know, you retire at 67 or whatever it is these days, 67. And the idea is it's basically the privatisation of old age. In the past, the state looked after people 
who'd uh, worked all their lives, paid their taxes, did the right things, and the state uh, funded their retirement. Now we have the uh, a kind of a, a double-dipping situation. We have a situation where the richer you are, the more money you're able to put in uh, uh, with uh, tax incentives into your superannuation scheme and the better the life you lead when you're retired and the poorer you are, the less goes into your superannuation fund and when you retire, you really haven't got enough to last. you only got enough to last for a few years and then you go on a substandard pension payment. So it's basically, it was a, an attempt by the state to funnel, or the government of the day, to funnel money into the stock market. It's very simple, because over 40% of all share transactions which occur on the Australian Stock Exchange today will be courtesy of your superannuation funds. Now, superannuation funds are divided into two groups, industry funds, and I was a little bit surprised to get a note from somebody last week not really understanding the difference between industry funds and non-industry funds. Industry funds are basically run by trade unions and the members benefit from the fund. Then there are private funds where you put your money in a private fund, it invests that money for you, some of the profits go back to you. Some of the profits go back to the shareholders that actually owned that company. And that's why the banks found themselves in such a difficult situation. And historically, the industry funds have actually paid better in the long run than most of the privately owned funds because they don't actually have to share any profits with, you know, shareholders. So... By the end of uh, 2022, in about two or three years' time, the industry-based funds, which are controlled by the trade union movement, uh, various trade unions have uh, control over various funds, will have at least $1 trillion in their account. And the Liberal National Party government over the last four to five years has done everything it can to destroy industry based funds by attempting to change legislation to ensure that the private sector gets their cut out of industry-based funds, but this has failed. Now, traditionally, superannuation funds have invested in cash, they've invested in the stock market, they've invested in property trusts. But we've now got to the situation where the industry funds have so much assets that they can start buying assets in their own name for the benefit of their members. For example, the telecommunications company Optus. When Telstra was privatised, or or Telecom was privatised by the uh, Labor government years ago, a few decades ago, the Singapore Superannuation Fund, which looks after you know, the future of elderly Singaporeans, bought into Telstra and Optus was set up as an independent company. Now, all cost Optus customers don't seem to understand that profits that are made are repatriated back to Singapore for Singapore pensioners and good luck to them. 
or retired people. Now, it's the same issue is now arising in Australia. Industry funds have so much capital that they will be able to determine where they will invest their money. So instead of buying shares on the Australian Stock Exchange and seeing that money go to CEOs and executives and and other shareholders, these industries funds are now in the position of actually buying assets for the benefits of their members. Now this has profound implications for publicly listed companies. Now publicly listed companies are companies which raise capital, raise money, capital, raise money via the Australian Stock Exchange by issuing shares in their company. And investors, you know, not only may make a profit if the value of the company goes up and the value of the shares go up, they receive a dividend usually every year if the company's making some type of profit. So this is the situation. So initially, 25 years ago, all this money poured into the Australian Stock Exchange, 40% of every trans percent of every transaction which occurs today will be courtesy of an industry-based fund, industry-based superannuation fund, or a privately owned superannuation fund. Now, if they start to buy assets in their own name, they can actually direct the economic future of the country. Because why would you buy into a company which is into coal? Why would you buy into a company whose major asset is tobacco sales? Why would you buy into a company that pays minimum wages to their workers if you're an industry-based fund? So obviously, the economic direction of the community of Australians and the returns for their old age will not be determined by unstable privately owned market forces who are only interested in creating profits for their major shareholders irrespective of the human, social and environmental environmental and national costs. So a superannuation fund is more likely, an industry-based superannuation fund is more likely to invest in ethical investments which directly benefit, not exploit their members. So we are on the cusp of a revolution, of a financial revolution in this country. Well, we will see industry-based super funds buy assets, outrightly buy assets, and starve the publicly listed companies, the Australian Stock Exchange of Capital. So we will see these industry-based funds actually compete in the marketplace with what are called private equity funds, which are private companies which normally buy companies, strip them of their assets, and then move on and buy another company and actually have uh, create profits for their, for their owners. So it's an interesting situation because ultimately the type of society we have, how we function, how wealth is created, how wealth is shared, is ultimately dependent in a capitalist society, and I'm talking about a capitalist society, which, which is the society we live in, 
who's got the cash and how that cash is invested. So we can now see huge efforts being made by the Australian Stock Exchange and publicly listed companies to influence politicians to ensure that industry-based funds will be refused the right to acquire assets in their own name for their members' interests. And that's what's been over the last five years. What we have seen is this constant battle to change the structure and the board's of industry-based funds, which are trade union funds, into privately owned corporations. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, Brexit. I haven't mentioned Brexit on this program. I'm not going to mention it. But you've got to you've got to hand it to the British. The British political class, you've got to hand them the gold cup, the first prize, the Olympic medal for arrogance. Here they are. Their people have decided to leave the European Union. Well and good. Now, the political class wants to leave on their own terms. And they're getting themselves in a huge knot about leaving in their own terms. Now, obviously, there are consequences to every decision you make. I make a decision. If I make a decision to walk in front of a truck, there are consequences. If they as a country have made a decision to leave the uh, European Union, and that's their business, I, I don't care one way or another, you just leave. You don't fart around trying to have your cake and eat it. That's about all I can say about this so-called debate regarding Brexit you know, and the uh, British um, United Kingdom leaving the, um, you know, the European Union. There are costs. There are consequences. If you want to have your sovereign borders, you want to determine your own sovereign policies, well, obviously, you can't expect other people to actually bend over backwards, you know, to uh, give you 100% of the divorce settlement. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week. Broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. The New South Wales election. The New South Wales election. Well, well, well. How extraordinary. How extraordinary. Here is a government which claims it has the lowest unemployment rate in Australia, 3.9%, which, like the Andrews-led Labor government in Victoria, has been, you know, been involved in a... uh, Construction binge fighting for its political future. And you know why it's been fighting for its political future? Because Mr Alan Jones, shock, shock, extraordinaire, extraordinaire, for once in his life was pulled up by a political leader. To his horror, Michael Daly... I mean, to Alan Jones' horror, Michael Daly, the Labor Party opposition leader, said enough is enough and stood up to this bully and his other shock jock mates in New South Wales who have determined policy and governments for decades who think they are the kingmakers, who are behind the plot 
to oust, successfully oust, Malcolm Turnbull as Prime Minister, who think they are the de facto government of the day, have been slapped in the face. And the people of New South Wales are standing up and saying, it's about time. It's about time that somebody grew a vertebral column, grew a spine in New South Wales that one member of the political class was willing to stand up to these bullies who somehow believe, like the Herald Sun believes in Victoria, and as the Brisbane Courier Mail believes in Queensland, and as the Adelaide Advertiser believes in South Australia, and the list goes on and on, that they are the kingmakers. Well, they are not the kingmakers. Kingmakers, ultimate political authority in a democracy rests in the hands of the people. It doesn't rest in the hands of a feral fourth estate which is owned by the corporate sector which continues to push its own agenda irrespective of the human, social and environmental costs. It is not owned by the bureaucracy. It is not owned by the government of the day. Ultimate political authority belongs to the people. So the New South Wales election will be on in a, in a week or two. Obviously the people of New South Wales will make their decision about which way they want to go. But it's good to see that for once in the history of New South Wales that the New South Wales polit- a few New South Wales politicians has realised that people have had enough of these unelected, self-appointed people who believe and think that they are the only one who have the right to determine policy. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Well, tipping point. Tipping point. For years, on the Anarchist World this week, we have said over and over again that climate change is real, it is due to human activity, and it needs to be addressed. Now, around the world, most governments, whether authoritarian, dictatorial, parliamentary, democratic, have accepted this, except maybe Mr Trump in the United States of America and the Liberal National Party in Australia. But it seems as the overwhelming evidence has finally gotten through to people who exercise power in this country. As the children who will be demonstrating, marching for climate change action on Friday, the 15th of March, around this country, in regional centres, major capital cities around this country have said, if the adults don't act as adults, it's time we, the children, did. That is their slogan. Because for far too long, we have seen vested interests dominated, dominate the parliamentary agenda, dominate the legislative agenda, dominate the type of laws that are passed, dominate where investment goes. And we have seen the energy lobby, especially the coal lobby, 
And we continue to see the coal lobby in North, northern Queensland and with Mr Barnaby Joyce try to dictate policy. But guess what, boys and girls? Guess what? The world, Australia, has finally caught up with the world. When you hear the deputy leader of the Reserve Bank of Australia talk about the fact that climate change needs to be factored into future economic direction, when you hear that no private equity company, no major superannuation fund, no bank is willing to invest in coal, and you got these dinosaurs, and my apologies to dinosaurs because they got had more sense than these National Party representatives who are, think that they, the only way they can retain their seat is to, you know, act as unofficial lobbyists for the coal lobby, you know, and, and talk about a publicly funded coal-fired power station in North Queensland because not one private organisation is willing to fund it you begin to realise that we have seen a tipping point and people are beginning to understand in this country and all you got to do is take a bloody caravan trip or a road trip around the country to understand that things have changed, they are changing and that we need to move into a, in a different direction. And who is better? Think of the irony. Think of the irony of it coal-fired power station publicly funded in North Queensland and guess where all the sunshine is? Sunshine, North Queensland. So, Kids for Climate Change, Friday, around the country, 12 till 2, will be acting as adults because the adults that we have elected into federal parliament, including the Prime Minister, who bought a lump of coal when he was... uh, whatever minister he was, into into Parliament House, Mr Morrison, they've had enough. When you get 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds and 14-year-olds and 16-year-olds telling the adults to act as adults and do something about an impending, continuing, current crisis, we have reached a tipping point. So if any of your kids are going out there, or if you're going out there to support them, we encourage you to take it up because we have reached a tipping point in this country because, guess what? It's cheaper, cheaper to produce energy from sun and wind. And I remember I was involved in demonstrations in nineteen late 1970s regarding solar and wind power as alternative energy forms. So, Australia, welcome to the 21st century. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name's Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting this week's edition of The Anarchist World This Week. The Anarchist World This Week has been broadcast across us, has been broadcast for over 40 years, this is the 42nd year we've been broadcasting the Anarchist World this week in various forms. And all I can say is 
little has changed. Technology has changed. We've got mobile phones, the World Wide Web, trolls, you name it. But in terms of the debate regarding policy, policy agenda, legislative agenda, liberalisation, not of the economy, liberalisation, well, it ain't changed. The same dinosaurs, the same self-appointed raconteurs think that they, they and they alone have the authority, the intelligence and the power to determine legislation in this country. And if you think that that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communications hold on this country and around the world has been diluted, think again. During the last 40 years, we have been involved in a revolution, not of our own making, a revolution which has been spearheaded by a political class working exclusively for that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. And through privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation and deregulation, they have turned the country, the marketplace and people's position and ideological leanings on their heads. For far too long we have been talking about aspirational Australians. And what is aspirational Australians code for? Aspirational Australians is code for for people who are willing to use the legislative loopholes that have been created in the society to enrich themselves at the expense of you and me and the rest of the community. Because over the last 40 years, we have seen a profound shift in the way wealth is created and distributed. A profound shift. 40 years ago, 30 cents of every dollar which was created as a result of investment went back to the investor and 70 cents went back to the people who created that wealth, the workers. In 2019, 30% of the profit that is made in any endeavour goes to the workers and 70% goes back to the investors. And no wonder there is no wage growth in this country. Last year, between February and June, $22 billion in dividends was paid to shareholders, as well as another $4 billion was given as a gift through franking credits to shareholders, courtesy of government policy. This year, shareholder dividends have increased by approximately 28% 
over $30 billion in dividends plus around $6 billion of Australian taxpayers' funds will be through Frankering Credits will be awarded to investors. Well, what the average wage growth in this country has been over the last 20, uh, 12 months, 2.3%. So what that means is that those who create the wealth, those whose blood, sweat and tears is needed to create the wealth, I could throw a million dollars on a bloody table and it'll sit there and do nothing. Nothing. It's when that million dollars is distributed and people work that that wealth is created in a capitalist society. Isn't it extraordinary that we find ourselves in this situation? Wage growth is so low that we are now having a recession because people don't have the actual money to buy shit. It's very simple. Because over 65% of the Australian economy is based on service industries. It's, you know, people buying and selling. It's not based on exporting animals. It's not based on much other, you know, exporting minerals. It's based on the services, delivery of services by 2 million small businesses around the country. And for far too long, we have heard that wage rises should be linked to productivity increases. Now, you get to a stage where you whip an animal to such an extent that it drops dead. You can't get any more productivity out of it. You can't... I mean, we saw the productivity in the banking sector rip off the customers, rip off the workers. That's how you get increased profits. So you can whip the bloody horse till it's dead but you're not going to get any increased productivity. So we have now reached a situation where we have to think about, seriously, about dividends. Now, the Labor Party's policy to actually wind back franking credits for people who are not pensioners or on minimal incomes will save at least $40 billion over the next few years. But what, we've, what have we got? A revolt. Fanned by the shock jocks, a revolt, fanned by the Murdoch media, among people who need at least $2 million in their superannuation funds in shares to get $8,000 in uh, dividends, franking credits. Could you imagine that? Crying poor. Now, last year, I remember, now we may find there are twenty or 30,000 people who are going to be affected, in the long run, by these changes. But I remember last year when the federal government unilaterally changed the asset test for pensioners. And remember, 30%, sorry, about 15% of people in this country are on old age pensions, and they changed the asset test. So what it meant is that 380 thousand pensioners lost money and many people on part pensions lost those pensions completely because of the change in the asset tests asset tests was there any liberal national party senator or house representative member did any of them get up and say oh this is terrible 
Hey, you know why? They'd get up and say this is terrible and they push this through Parliament because it affected the lower end of town. All those honest, hard-working people who had contributed to the economy for decades, who are now ready to retire, who are told you've got too many assets and you're not going to get a pension. It affected 380,000 pensioners. And did anybody cry foul? No. But when it comes to franking credits, you know, it's as if the end of the world is coming. It's the same when there are superannuation changes that affected about two or 3,000 people 18 months ago, as if the world was coming to an end. So this is the type of situation we find ourselves in. When people are squeezed and marginalised and human, humiliated and degraded, we clap our hands as a community. Let's not forget, one third of Australians rely on social security benefits to survive. That's 8.3 million people. Over one million children in this country live below the poverty line. And when you've got organisations like the Smith family, I've got nothing against the Smith family, going around and saying that we need to support these children privately through their foundation because they don't have enough to eat or not enough to go to school, you know that we have a problem. And when we see 380,000 people's pensions affected and not one cry, not one cry against this from the corporate-owned media and to a lesser degree the government guild at ABC, we know we have a problem. When we see people on New Start allowances, and we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people on New Start allowance who, in the majority of cases, through no fault of their own, can't get a job, having to struggle on 50% of what is the poverty line. 50%. And nobody willing to come out and say, well, maybe we should do something about this you begin to realise the type of society we have become. And when you have single parents who are forced to go back to work when their children turn eight, you begin to understand the type of society we have become. And when you have a public housing sector which is disintegrating and being privatised around the country, especially in Victoria and New South Wales, you begin to understand that it's only those people with power which are idolised in this country. Everybody else is a loser. You're a loser, I'm a loser. You go to work every day, you do a fair day's work, you don't get a wage rise, you pay your taxes, you're denigrated, you're pushed around, you spend 40% of your income paying your rent or your mortgage. You don't even get a living wage. And somehow, somehow you're supposed to be happy. Think about it. Honest, hard-working people are losers in this country. 
losers. Crooks. Financial fiddlers. They are the winners who we're supposed to look up to, the aspirational classes. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia of either community radio network. Now, those of you who think that we've had 25 or 27 years of Recession 3 Australia because we've been so brilliant, think again, because we're in for a bit of a shock. Look at the education sector. After mining, the education sector, especially the higher education sector, has been a goldmine for Australia. Last year, overseas students paid $34 billion, the second greatest export industry after mining, before tourism in this country. Now, universities in this country have had a problem. They have been underfunded for decades. For the last 40 years, they have been underfunded. And although fees have been introduced for most tertiary courses, the amount of money that's poured into the university coffers, again, is not enough. So universities have been forced to recruit overseas at the expense to a significant degree of local students. Now we have a ridiculous situation where we have students from overseas who come into this country who can't get a gig in their own country, like China. If you can't get into one of the major China universities and your parents are part of the aspiring middle class in China, well, they can send you to Australia for an education. And unfortunately... Most of the students that come here do courses like business and commerce and finance. And for a long time, we have been able to attract overseas students to this country. But as the Chinese government invests in their own universities and transfers from and, and, and transform from an export-driven in- economy to a services services economy like Australia is, you'll find that there will be fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer overseas students willing to pay money to do Mickey Mouse courses in this country. So that stream of revenue is going to shrink in the next decade and it's going to shrink quite massively. Now, as far as mining is concerned, well, obviously, as coal is phased out, that export, which I think coal is the actual, iron ore or coal is the most important mineral export, that will be phased out. So this is going to have a profound impact on the economy in this country, especially an economy that has been structured in such a way as to destroy a manufacturing base in Australia. Because we've been quite happy to export jobs overseas, whether it's whether it's a call centre, whether it's a car factory, in order to have a few more cheap stuff to buy. So the chickens are coming home to roost. 
They're coming home to roost as far as this country is concerned. They're coming home to roost in many directions, financially and commercially. And what we've seen over the last few years is the fact that this deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation revolution is crap. It is not fit for human consumption. Not fit for human consumption. I'll give you an example. Now, Mr Shorten and the ALP opposition understand that things have to change. And they talk about a living wage. Well, at the Anarchist Institute and the public interest before corporate interest, we talk about a universal living wage. So what's the difference between a living wage and a universal living wage? A living wage ensures that people don't work for a pittance and don't actually have enough money at the end of the week to pay for their day-to-day expenses. That's what a living wage is. That is the concept of a living wage. The fact that those dividends that go to shareholders should be shared by workers. That's what a living wage is. A universal living wage is a much more radical concept. It incorporates the 8.3 million Australians who rely on social security benefits to survive who are under the poverty line. Who are under the poverty line. It's about ensuring that everybody, irrespective of whether they work or don't, has a universal, has a living wage. Because like the plebeians in Rome over 2,000 years ago found out that as the number of slaves which were brought into Rome grew, their services were no longer needed. They were still part of the political class. So they were given 230 holidays a year, access to basic food, access to housing. Otherwise, there would have been revolts. The same thing now. With automation... We don't need everybody in this society to work in order for society to function and prosper. So what do you do with people who can't access a wage? Is the wage the only way by which people can live comfortably? Now, the universal living wage is a simple concept. It means that every 18-year-old and over gets a fixed amount, say $50,000. If you earn fifty, if you decide not to work that year, That is your wage. It's enough to survive comfortably. If you decide to work, you still get your living wage. If you get to $100,000, well and good, you keep it. If you get to $150,000, you're taxed. If you get to $200,000, you give it back. It's a mechanism to ensure that every individual in society is able to enjoy the benefits of the community they live in because they are part of that community. It is not linked to the type of work that they do because over the next few years, fewer and fewer and fewer people will be needed to keep this society ticking over. And if we don't resolve this issue of a living wage, not just for people in the workforce, 
Well, but for the one third of Australians outside the workforce, we will have increasing problems. Some will be internalised, and we see that already with the increasing levels of loneliness and poverty and pain in this society, whether it's the very old or the very young or those who can't access employment, who don't have the skills or are no longer needed. So we as a society need to change our focus. And as if the children who will be marching on Friday, the 15th of March, under the slogan, if the adults don't act as adults, we will teach us that we need to change, not just in terms of climate change, but in terms of the way wealth is created and distributed in this society. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's Anarchist World this week. Now, if you think that the Liberal National Party has changed its spots, if you think it'll be our saviour, if you think more of the same is what is needed, more corporatisation, more globalisation, more privatisation, and I don't, you know, more deregulation, well then, you go ahead. But the Liberal Party and the National Party is no longer the Liberal Party and the National Party. Poor old Bob Menzies and Black Jack McEwen would be rolling in their graves in 2019 if they saw the direction the Liberal National Party has taken. You only have to listen to Mr Barnaby Joyce, who still thinks he's the elected Deputy Prime Minister. I hate to tell you, Barnaby, what happened to the elected Prime Minister, Mr Mr Turnbull. And all you've got to look at is that et tu brutus, Mr Senator Cormann from West Australia. Now, poor old Julie Bishop, I mean, I'm feeling sorry for her. Poor old Julie Bishop received six votes for the leadership when it was spilled, and now, and now that her seat is up for grabs because she's finally seen the light that you know the Liberal National Party is incapable of reform and has decided to go out on her own. Her preferred candidate received one vote out of 82. That's for the pre-selection battle for the Blue Ribbon seat of Curtin in West Australia. And who was behind all this? Senator Eck. To a Brutus, the man who stabbed Turnbull in the back, who at the last moment said, I'm a Dutton supporter. So the Liberal National Party is disgustingly full of people who have nothing to offer this country, who are there to fill themselves at the trough, who, feeling that they may lose the next federal election, are giving away judgeships, magistrateships, uh, positions on boards, including the ABC, to their mates and their friends. This is a frenzy. We're involved in a frenzy where they are trying to prevent change in the next few years by stacking the courts, by stacking the Fair Work Commission, by stacking 
this country's uh, so-called independent uh, corporations like the Australian Broadcasting Corporations with their mealy mouth supporters. They have no interest in the national economy. They have no interest in you. They have no interest whatsoever in anything which is positive anymore in this country. The sooner they're gone, the sooner we can start that march to create that egalitarian community that is required. Not that that is Labor Party policy. Labor Party policy is miles away from that. But at least we will be in a position to continue that struggle uh, in the future. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. .org.au. The program is podcast. That's podcast. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can join public interest before corporate interest by going to pipsy.net. You can go to our YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. The Twitter stream, P-I-B-C-I underscore A-U, P-I-B-C-I underscore A-U. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489, 0439 395 489. That's right, 0439 395 489. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. You can go to anarchistmedia.org, anarchistmedia.org. That's right, anarchistmedia.org or pipsypibci.net. Don't forget the Pipsy Congress this weekend in Melbourne, 100 uh, Unitarian Peace Memorial Church, Grey Street, East Melbourne. That's Grey Street, East Melbourne. That's right, 110 Grey Street, East Melbourne. Join us, become a member on the day, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. If you can't access, if you've missed some of the program, missed the gems, well, you can go to the podcast, 3cr.org.au. You can always write to me if you hate the internet, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can leave pleasant messages on 0439 395 489. If you're tech savvy, you can go to the website, anarchistmedia.org, pipsypibci.net. You can go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano for the Public. That's Toscano for the Public. Twitter stream, Pipsy, P I B C I underscore A U, or to the uh, YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. New one every, a new session every week. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Evil minds that plot destruction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashing.
wash my hands. Oh, Lodger! You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.